0: If you have your Bibles today, the book of Mark, chapter number 10, is on my heart this morning. I want to look at one verse, verse number 45. We have been preaching for some time a series of messages from the book of Mark going verse by verse. Treasures from the book of Mark is the series. We preached verses 35 through 45 when last we met on Wednesday night. Somehow on Sunday mornings, we've been stuck being lingering at Calvary. Every Sunday morning, we've been thinking about the cross, thinking about the cross, and somehow God has caused these two series to merge at verse number 45, and I cannot get away from it. Would you please stand to your feet as we read the Word of God and we give reverence and attention to these words. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. God being our helper, I want to preach on this thought. Jesus, a ransom for many. Father, would you help us this morning as we try to stand and preach the word of God? Lord, I'm physically unable But Lord, I'm here today by the grace of God and I thank you that you've allowed us to be in the house of God this morning. And thank you for this great number of people that have walked through your doors to hear the word of God and to sing praises under your name and to pray and to seek your face. Lord, I'm asking you now, God, would you give me the words? Would you help me, Father, by your spirit, God, to preach today? Father, would you, I know I'm a sinner, would you cleanse me of sin? Would you empty me of self? And would you fill me with your presence, sir, with your spirit we long for? Help us, God, that we might see the truth and receive the help of God this day. For this we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. I thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. Now this verse to me is the master theme for the book of Mark. If you said, Preacher Darren, give me a a, a verse from the book of Mark that you think is the theme, this is it, this is it. This is the signature statement by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In this verse, we learn why Jesus came to this world. In this verse, we see why Jesus gave his life. So far in the book of Mark, we see three times that Jesus prophesied that he's going to die. Look back with me, if you will, in Mark 8 and verse 31. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. First time in the book of Mark, he shared with them what's going to happen, but he did not tell them why. Then in Mark chapter 9 and verse 31, turn there with me. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. And they shall kill him, and after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Second time, he told us what's going to happen, but we don't know why. Then we read in Mark chapter number 10, verse 33, he goes into greater detail. Mark 10, 33, would you turn there? Jesus, he's saying, behold, we go up to Jerusalem And the Son of Man shall be delivered under the chief priests and under the scribes. They shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. They shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. He's prophesied three times he's going to die. The disciples, they heard what Jesus said. You know what? They noticed that he's, Shed out before them. He just shot out before them. Just boom, there he goes. He's gone. And they see him like set his face. He's beginning to walk towards Jerusalem. And they're left kind of behind. And you know what they did? They started arguing which one of them would be the greatest. They never talked about the cross. It's like your ambition causes you to disregard the cross. Focusing on self causes you to disregard the cross. And now they're arguing amongst themselves which one of them is going to be the greatest. And Jesus went into a dissertation to tell them about how the Gentiles exercise lordship and authority. is by force and by power. But he said it's not supposed to be so with you. No, no. He says, look with me. We're, we're in Mark chapter number 10. Look with me. He says in verse 43, it shall not be so among among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For, the son of, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus in verse 45 tells us why he's going to die. He's giving his life a ransom for many. In this one verse, I see three things very quickly and I'm done. Number one. I see the sovereignty of Christ. It begins with, For even the Son of Man. Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man more than any other title. The Son of Man is over some 80 times occurring in our Bibles. And oftentimes, as I just read to you in Mark 8 and 9 and 10, he called himself the Son of Man every single time I just read to you this morning. The Bible says that the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. What is this reference to the Son of Man? Where is it from? It's found in the Old Testament. It is a messianic uh, prophecy of the anointed Christ. Look with me in Daniel chapter number 7. Daniel chapter number 7, if I can find it. Daniel chapter number 7 I want to look in verse number 9 this morning now God has given Daniel a vision of four earthly dominant kingdoms suddenly in verse number 9 Daniel gets a glimpse of the ancient of days who is God without beginning and without end And God is enthroned in sovereignty. Look in verse 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down. And the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow. What is God doing? He is sitting. He is ruling. He is presiding. He is governing. I'm telling you right now, I don't know if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I really don't care. Because God is the one who sovereignly sits and rules and presides and judges all things. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. My Bible says that his garment was white as snow. What does that mean? That is his holiness. The Bible says the hair of his head was like the pure wool. That is he's all wise. He has perfect knowledge of all things. His throne was like a fiery flame. What does that mean? It's like his righteous judgment exudes forth from his throne and his wheels as a, as a burning fire. That is the glory of God that is sitting the divine providence of God into action. I don't know if you realize it right now, but the divine providence of God is being accomplished even right now. Though we may not feel well, God's made no mistakes. He knows exactly what he is doing. Somebody give him witness. Verse 10, the Bible says, A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. What does that mean? It is the majesty and the splendor of God, this fiery stream, this this river of flames, if you will, that's flowing before him and around him and from behind him. It's the majesty and the splendor and the glory of Almighty God. Amen. And thousands, thousands, a thousand thousands ministered unto him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. There they are. 10,000 times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. They're standing in reverence and in awe of him. And I believe. That court is in session. Not the Supreme Court. Not the North Carolina court system. But the court of almighty God. Heaven's court is in session. The Bible says the judgment was set. And the books were open. May I just say this morning. God has every deed of man. Recorded in a book. Every idle word that you or I have ever spoken, God has record of it, amen. And when a man gets saved, amen, he washes us white as snow, glory to God, and he cleanses us. Hallelujah to God. Isn't that a tremendous blessing today? Amen. A oh, preacher there, what does he do? He erases that record, amen, and starts afresh. Well, hallelujah. Read on with me. The Bible says in verse number 11 I beheld then, because the voice of the great words which the horn spake. Here's the Antichrist speaking his great blasphemous words. He said, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. One day the Antichrist will come into power and Jesus will defeat him with the word of his mouth and destroy him and throw him into the lake of fire. As concerning the rest of the beast, those four great empires, those four great kingdoms, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. It is as if there are pieces of all four of those kingdoms even in today's realm in which we now live, here we go, I saw in the night visions and, one, and behold one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Who is this Son of Man? This is a messianic, Picture of the anointed one, the Son of God, being coronated by God the Father, being crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. What a great day. The sovereignty of the Son of Man. The Bible says in verse 14, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom kingdom. And all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. His kingdom is forever and ever filled with majesty, glory, splendor, holiness. It is a kingdom of salvation. And when Jesus, you need to help me preach, when Jesus assumes the throne, I'm telling you that he will never be overthrown. He will never be impeached. He will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. And his loyal subjects we will be while eternity rolls on, this lot of affliction which bothers us now, it'll fade away, Amen, and we'll bask in the glory of Almighty God forever and ever and ever. Amen. My Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter two and in verse number seven that Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God who also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that in the name of Jesus help me preach that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When he says I'm the son of man He is indicating that He, the Son of God, became the Son of Man that we might be saved. When the religious leaders heard Jesus speak of the Son of Man, they knew what He was referencing. And they rejected Him. And they were filled with indignation. And they were mad and angry. And I promise you right now that there are people That may cut on the service today at Bethel while I'm trying to preach this morning and they very well may say, oh no, I'll not have this Jesus over me. Oh no, I'll not listen to another preacher go on and on about Jesus. Oh no, I'll not hear a congregation praise the Lord. But I'm telling you, amen, the world today has decided to reject Jesus, but it does not change the fact that He is the Son of God who gave His life a ransom for our sins, amen. I see the sovereignty of Jesus. He is the anointed of God, the Son of Man. Number two, when I look at this text, I see the submission of Christ. The Bible says, Now for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And Before the exaltation of Jesus, before the coronation of Jesus Christ, He must first, Submit himself. He did not come to be served. He came to serve. He was willing to submit himself and do the serving. The word here for minister is the word diacono, which means a servant. Like you may say, a servant is someone who comes to your table and says... Uh, we, can, will you have tea or steak or what? We, chicken? What would you like, a waiter or a waitress? No, it's not a waiter or a waitress, this servant. This servant is more like the busboy who comes to your table after you've finished your meal. You know how sometimes you eat sloppy you get crumbs everywhere and, and you blow your nose and lay your napkin down and, and the filth and the nastiness of the meal that you've just partaken of and, and you, tip your, you tip your server who brought you tea and brought you your meal and was kind to you, but you don't tip your busboy. He does a thankless job cleaning up your mess. That's what Jesus is. He's not a waiter to be ordered around or a waitress. But he's the busboy who's come to clean up your mess. All the words you've said, all the actions you've committed, all the sin I've ever done, Jesus came to take it all away. In fact, He was made my sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He was made my ugly words. He was made my ugly actions. He was was made my sin. Oh God, help how He loved me and submitted Himself. This minister is one when you come in the door. He would not only be your busboy to clean up your mess after your your nasty meal, but he would also be the one to welcome you when you came in from your dirty feet, when you came in from a journey wearing your sandals. He would be the one to take the basin of water and wash your feet to welcome you in. I think about those disciples in the book of John 13. They came into the upper room that Jesus had already prepared. They came in for that last supper with the Lord and then boys were still arguing about who should be the greatest. If Jesus dies, I want to sit on his right hand. If Jesus is gone, I'm going to sit on his left hand. I'm going to do more than you. You're going to be the furthest away. And they were still arguing. Can you see how they were arguing when they came in that room and Jesus took water and he took a towel and he began to wash their feet. There was no servant there. They were amazed. There's no servant to welcome us. There's no servant to wash their feet. Here is our... Messiah, here is our Christ bowing down to wash our feet. Notice with me, they would not wash one another's feet. They were mad at each other. You think about right now your enemy. You're not going to pray for them like you should. You're not going to wash their feet. You think about somebody right now you've got, to got hurt feelings with. You know how when you play basketball against each other and you, you got your pride injured or hurt, you don't go wash people's feet when it's over oftentimes officials have to stand there to make sure people don't punch each other i've seen many a good church fight amen where people are ready to punch each other out in parking lots i'm telling you we don't take time to wash one another's feet but jesus being that minister amen he didn't come to be ministered unto we didn't come to wash his feet he came to wash ours you think of the places you've been you think of the things you've done or said and the actions you've committed. He came to wash your feet. He humbled himself. I'm talking about the Son of Almighty God, the sinless sacrifice, humbled himself to welcome you and wash your feet and to wash your sins. Amen. Glory to God. I think about it a little further. The word again, Son of Man, is not just a, a symbolic term of The Son of God, the uh, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. But it's also a picture of humility and lowly submission. He's the Son of God who came to this earth to become the Son of Man. He identified Himself with sinful man, though He was without sin. He was born of a virgin, of the lineage of Abraham and of David. And He came under the yoke of the law. He entered our race to become one with us and one day to lift us up that we might be saved. He did not come as a sovereign to be served, but He came as a servant to wash our feet. He came as a servant to clean up after us. He came in the lowliest of roles. He emptied Himself of His glory. And he became a bondservant. A bondservant is one who is owned by another. He voluntarily chose to not use all that was inherently his as a servant. He came to do the will of the Father. And he humbled himself to death. Even the death of the cross, the Bible says, cursed is every man that hangs on the cross. Jesus was made our He took upon himself, think about a human body that he hungered and he grew weary and he thirsted he was tempted he wept, he didn't come as a king but he came as a bondservant and no one has ever emptied himself with such humility as Jesus. He became poor so that we who are poor might be rich you may say wait a minute preacher Darren don't you call me poor you spiritually are bankrupt. Spiritually you have nothing. And he became poor, emptied himself of his glory and his splendor that you might be made rich, that you might share with his glory. Thank Lord of God. Hallelujah for the submission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, when I look at this text, I see his sacrifice The Bible says the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Will you hear me for a second? Listen to me closely. Jesus did not come to be a role model. He came to be the Redeemer. He came to give His life on the cross of Calvary. Amen. I'm just telling you before, listen, before He could ever be elevated as sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords, He must first submit Himself and sacrifice himself. I begin to think about this five quick things here. The giving of his life. It was all start with the letter V. It was voluntary. Nobody made him do it. Nobody took his life from him. He gave his life intentionally. He it was his choice to lay down his life. He gave his life deliberately and decisively. Somebody said his blood was spilt, honey, spilling something's an accident. He did not spill his blood. He shed his blood. He poured out his blood on purpose. His death was not an accident. His death was atonement upon the cross. Jesus was not a victim. He was the victor. He had power to lay down his life and he had power to take it back up again. Hallelujah to God. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He did not say, I am finished. Hallelujah. He gave his life, which was valuable. He gave his life, the Bible says, as a ransom. I was looking, studying yesterday as I laid flat on my back about ransoms that have been paid, the most monies that have ever been paid. and I thought I'd give you a little study on that. And God said, why even compare that to anything I've ever done? The greatest price that has ever been paid is that Jesus gave his life for you and me that we might be ransomed. You know, when that happens, it is to liberate or to make free those who are held hostage or those who are captives. It, it is the price paid to release a prisoner. It is the price paid to release a captive. It is a financial transaction. There is a definite payment that's being made from, from, from one to another. There was a ransom paid. There was a purchase made. Preacher Darren, are you sure? Listen, I want to tell you this. The Bible says... In the book of First Peter. In the book of First Peter, help me, Lord. In the book of First Peter, chapter number one, verse 18 for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He paid our ransom by his sinless life's blood. So then the question comes, who did he pay? I read behind people and say this and say that, but if, if Christ paid a ransom to Satan to deliver us from Satan's clutches, then really who's the victor? You see, when someone kidnaps somebody and they require a ransom, the reason they do is require a ransom in exchange for someone's release. And if they receive the payment, then they win. Let me say this Satan didn't win. The ransom was not paid to Satan. We'll preach it down. He held us captive. Let's think about it for a second. Satan did not win. When the ransom was paid by Jesus Christ, the Son of Man paid the ransom for sinful man to God the Father. Preacher Darren, can, can you absolutely prove that to me? I can. It is God who must be satisfied. It was God's absolute holiness that was violated by our sins. And when we sinned and violated His holiness, a price had to be paid to placate the wrath of God. It was God's law that was broken. It was not Satan's holiness. It was not Satan's law that was broken. It was God's law that was broken. God demanded propitiation. It's not Satan's wrath that had to be negotiated at the cross. Oh, I feel preaching stern. It was God's wrath that had to make the purchase, amen, that, that Jesus would atone for our sins. Christ does not negotiate with terrorists. Amen The payment was made to God the Father It was a valuable payment His life being given was vicarious What does that mean? It's a substitute He gave his life Look, to give his life a ransom The word is for f o r, f o r, For For That means in the place of On the account of He gave his life in the place of you and me He gave his life a ransom for me And he preached it there and it should say oh No, no, no Yes, he paid a price. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He gave a price, paid a price, a ransom so that everybody could be saved. But he knew that everybody would not be saved by their own rejection and choice. Everyone has a free will to choose Christ. You've had a free will every time I preach to make a decision about Jesus. Hopefully I'll give you that opportunity again if I live long enough to call upon the name of Jesus. Amen. May I just say it is a preposition and it means that He is our substitute. He died in our place. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. May I read to you out of Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone into his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. For he shall bear their iniquities. He paid a price for all. He stood in our place. He was nailed to the cross. I should have been nailed too. He bore our sins and shed our blood. Has it occurred to you that nobody ever loved you or cared for you just like Jesus. He has reconciled us. He reached, He transcended time and eternity and reconciled us with one hand to the other hand from God to man and He brought us to be one. The giving of His life was vast the word is for many he made a sacrifice for an immense number of people may i read out of romans 5:19 and for you that are concerned with doctrine really deep doctrine Look at Romans 5.19 with me just for a moment and let's see exactly what the Word of God says that He gave His life a ransom for many. We're looking in Romans 5.19. I'm just telling you, if you'll call upon the name of Jesus Christ, amen, you'll see Jesus being greater than your sin. In Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience, that's talking about Adam, many were made sinners, really, all, are sinners, right? So by the obedience of one shall, that's Jesus, shall many be made righteous because Jesus was obedient to the cross. Whosoever would call upon his name, he would forgive them and save their souls, amen. It's a vast payment and it is a victorious payment. Let's go back to our text. The sacrifice of Christ purchased our salvation. Everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ is forgiven their sins are taken away he paid one price for all time for you to say oh preacher dear and that won't hold up listen when he paid my ransom he's not going to pay another time He paid, oh, God, I want somebody help me run, amen. I want to ride, amen. He paid my ransom today, and now I am free. What triumph to know I am forgiven, I'm redeemed, I'm adopted, I'm a child of the Most High God. What a blessing that is today. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price, amen. Hallelujah to God. I'm thinking about Matthew Chapter 26. Preacher Darren, too much Bible turning. I'll never have enough. Matthew 26 and verse number 28. He said, This is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins, hallelujah to God. All of us that's called upon the name of Jesus will find our place in heaven. I remember the preacher one time, Brother May, he said, he said, I want you to know there'll be three types of people in heaven. I thought there'd just be one type. He said there'll be three types of people in heaven. First thing, you're going to get there and you're going to look around you're going to be amazed by who is there. Second of all, you're going to be amazed who's not there. And thirdly, you're going to be amazed when you look down and see your feet that you're there. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Charles Wesley wrote a song. And can it be? I want to look, I want to find the words. And can it be? Listen to this. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him death pursued? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? I close with this. Thank you for praying for me. In the early 1900s in Pennsylvania, Governor Pollock was uh, having a meeting and a lady requested to see him and he refused the meeting. And the lady, she ran by security anyhow, anyway, and fell in the floor and said, Governor, my son... Has been accused of a crime. And he's on death row. And she begged and begged and begged. She said if you'll just go see my son. I believe you'll give him a pardon. And so the governor heard her words. And saw her love. And her tears that were shed. And he did the unthinkable. He took his security down to death row where the prisoners were held. He walked in and he said, I want to see so-and-so. And they said, come with me. And they took him back. And they knocked on the cell door, opened the cell door and said, you have a visitor. And the man turned into the corner as if to refuse him. He said, sir, I've come to talk to you. I've come to talk to you about your crime. I've come to talk to you about your case. I've come to hear you. If there's any words you have to say, and he said, we've got nothing to say to you. And he totally shut the man down and would not even as much as look at him. He sat with his back turned. And the governor stepped away and he said, well, I gave him a chance. I gave him the opportunity. And they slammed that cell door back shut. And The jailer said, governor, that sure was nice of you to come down here. I can't believe, governor, that we could even see you down here on death row. And the governor walked away. And as he was walking away, the man said, Governor? Governor? The governor? That was the governor who came to see me? The governor came to see me? The governor wanted to talk to me about my case? He said he was going to pardon you. The governor? Governor! Governor, I've changed my mind. I'll talk to you now. That's you. If you're here today under the sound of my voice, Jesus is the Son of Man. He did not come to be ministered unto, but He came to minister. He came to serve you. He came to save you and secure you. Amen. The Bible tells us He gave His life a ransom for many. And if today you are in sin's prison, you are locked away in your little corner, you would have nobody here to know your condition. Everybody sees your smiling face. Everybody sees your your wonderful appearance but inside your soul is shriveled up, barely breathing, and has a death sentence hanging over it. And Jesus today, the Son of Man, has come down these simple aisles and stands at this altar with his hands that are wounded and bleeding and now is now scarred at his feet and his side was riveted to look at you and say, if you had but come to me, and look to me, I would save you today and forgive you and write to tell us down your cell door and open your door and give you a pardon. I paid your ransom. Today you can go free. You're standing at your feet. There may be somebody here, maybe there's a Christian in the. Crowd that would hit this on and say, Oh God, thank you for paying my price. Thank you, Lord, for paying my ransom. Thank you, Lord, for opening sin's prison for me and making me to be adopted and a child of God. How I praise you and how I love you today. And here I come to bow my knee to worship you. You, my God, are my king. I praise you. And maybe you're praying for someone that's on your heart. Maybe you know someone that's unsaved. Someone that's never lifted their hand. Someone that's never even looked at Jesus. And today God is speaking to their heart, Sir, ma'am, the Lord has dealt with you on this issue before. And today He's knocking. Will you hear me? I'll open that door and let you be free if you'll call upon me. If you don't, you're going to hell. If you don't, the devil's going to have his domain over you forever. Well, preacher, I'll get saved later. I don't want, I'm, listen. You know what that? Disciples wouldn't get right with the Lord. Why he had to wash their feet? Because of their pride. I'm telling you today, don't be prideful and slip out and go to hell. Your head's bowed. There's nobody looking. Who today would lift their eyes and say, preacher, I'm going to raise my hand. I want Jesus today. Thank you for coming up here and preaching to me, preacher. I want Jesus today. Is there anybody? God's looking for a hand. Maybe you're already in the altar. Maybe you're still in the pew. Preacher, I want to be saved. It's me. I'll not call you down here. I'll not embarrass you. But you better raise your hand or you have sentenced yourself. Governor Pollack never came back. and That man died, a hardened criminal, and slipped out into eternity. It's where you're going today. You better do what God says. Once. Twice. Father, you record this service. You know the need today. Father, I love you. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for the life, eternal life you gave me. And God, I'm glad, though we've been in pain these last few days, that I'll not have to spend my eternity in this pain. <laughs> I'll have a new body. And I'll praise the Lord forever and ever. And I'll watch them crown you King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I'll bow my knee and confess just as I already have, that Jesus is my Lord. And one day I'll watch that old devil himself be brought in and have to render his knee before Jesus. What a day that will be. Help us, Father. Save our friends, our loved ones. Save our enemies, God. Before it's everlasting too late, I pray. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen and amen.